Hi, I'm Maeve Doyle and I'm at Maddox Gallery. On the morning of the evening, Funny Ha Ha opens. Uh, it's a show curated by Roxana Halls and I'm standing in front of her work now on the main floor uh, and the piece is called Sushi and she deals with women's mouths and food and is a, a great painter but what she really does that stands out is she uses laughter to transform painful experiences. Uh, we see with Roxana's work how perception of accepted behavior has changed and hasn't changed over the years. As Simone de Beauvoir said, one is not born a woman, one becomes one. I love Roxana's dreamlike compositions and the energy she puts into curating shows like Funny Ha Ha. We've come downstairs to a room that has the work of Sarah Maple, uh, Tracy Moffat, Jemima Brown, Stella Vine, David Shrigley, and Wilfred Wood. I had the pleasure of talking to Wilfred about his work in Funny Ha Ha. Wilfred, I would say that your portraits, the one of Madonna, the one of Jurgen Klopp, the one of uh, Zuck, Mark Zuckerberg, Stella, it seems to me that there's a charm to them rather than making fun of it. And it, there's a lot of stress and seriousness around appearances, and you've added the charm factor, which kind of takes the pain away, the pain of aging, the pain of not being beautiful, the pain <laughs> of being odd. That charm is there in all of your character portraits. It's That's lovely to hear. Um, and um, it makes me feel like I've got a tiny bit more leeway to be a little bit more vicious, and I might <laughs> be able to get away with it if you think they're quite gentle. <laughs> which would be fun no i need um, to keep you on track here no vision <laughs> i'll double check with you before i'm I not gonna flatter you again ever <laughs> yeah watch out how uh, fantastic but it's uh it's i'm glad because um yes i i i i want them to have a ideally to work on a few different levels and have a little bit of subtlety rather than being an out and out brash caricature i mean that's that's pretty that's pretty basic stuff so I'd like it to have some sort of resonance or maybe making a making a generally very perky person look thoughtful or, a, a, you know, just bringing out some sort of diff slightly different side of a, of a well-known character. But all we're talking about is, is famous people at the moment. But I spend most of my time actually drawing and painting and sometimes sculpting ordinary people to which I have a very different attitude. I attended one of your workshops earlier this week and I thought yes. people would have been very intimidated and fearful and everyone was so up for having their portraits drawn and being mm. a caricature. It was so refreshing because there used to be a lot of self-consciousness around appearances and something's changed. People are willing to laugh at themselves. Great. Well, I mean, that's that's very nice to hear. I I hope that I sort of slightly uh, I give a sort you know just a minute and a half about what I do and what I like the attitude of the workshop to be as a, a just a tiny little introduction. And I try and say this is a very level playing field. Sometimes the accountants do better sculptures than the so-called creatives. In fact, very often they do. I'm, I almost um, reinforce that point which can quite often upset the creatives but anyway there's um it i do think that it, it what i what i want people to do is have fun with the sticking out ears and the big noses if they can <laughs> and it kind of 
punctures a bit of a, an unspoken um, sensitivity in, in people if they if everyone can relax a little bit and enjoy these funny uh, things about people's faces and perhaps characters, which are really nice to, if you put the warmth. I mean, they're really fun things to enjoy, both from the sculptor and hopefully to a degree for the, the person being the subject. I know you started, well, you had spent some time at Spitting Image and the world is such a different place than it was when you were making eyeballs and blinks for Spitting Image. How has humour changed? Gosh, well, I mean, the obvious thing is that a, a kind of self-censorship is much more in action now, I think, than it was then. I mean, you couldn't do what you liked then, um, or but it's it's just changed its its it's what you what you can make jokes about really so you can you can be as foul as you like about donald trump obviously I and mean, people people are but other subjects that are more sensitive you have to tiptoe around so i i'm maybe maybe it adds up to the same as it was in the 80s really the kind of how how you know the 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 if you added up all the people you could make fun of it might be about the same amount of people but it's just a different people and a different sort of person back then um it caused a rumpus when people were rude about the royal family i guess um now you could pretty much say what you liked and nobody really bat an eyelid and there's so much more of it in the air culturally and there's so much more stuff zigzagging around social media um, I think that it's it's uh, it's also hard to to get sort of real belly laughs. I think it seems like there's more there's more wry amusement, perhaps, rather than out and out laughs around at the moment. I'm going to go through some of the other subjects in funny ha ha, and you and a word or two. If we can play a word game for, with a visual man, tell me what word pops to mind. So in Funny Ha Ha, we have Gilbert and George. Well, my friend Dominic, who I've just had, my, this is, I don't know a story, but my I've just had breakfast with my friend Dominic, who's 60, who was their assistant for years. And he always talks about them. And he just told me that George isn't posh at all. He had elocution lessons. I always thought he was absolutely Mr. Posh, but he, he's not posh at all. And his, he had elocutions when he was young. It's given him this amazingly posh voice and manner, but which apparently isn't the natural him at, at all, oh, which I was amazed to hear this morning. Good. Everyone loves the gossip around the art world. Okay, next. What about Celine Dion and Valentino? One word or quick reason why they're included? Oh, the, the, basically because they look so funny together. She's so spiky and sharp in her angles. And, and he's... He's so ridiculously sort of coiffured and and um, sunbed tanned, and they're just such a funny opposite couple. But for some reason, they seem to hang out together in sort of fashion do's. It's a great pairing, Stella McCartney. So, well, uh, I've heard her in an interview, and I really <laughs> didn't want her terribly. Um, it so shows. <laughs> this, she, she's a fun one to to slightly do that forehead and those crooked lips. ABBA. ABBA. Well, I mean, they're, they're one of those things that um, I think ABBA are absolutely bloody brilliant. And so does the rest of the world. So uh, it's a kind of universal thing that ABBA are terrific, almost. Sam Smith. Sam Smith. He was really sweet. He sent me a message about my sculpture I made of him saying that he wanted to buy it. 
And I said, you can, you don't have to buy it. I'll swap it with you if you'll sit for me and I can do a portrait of you. Um, and I didn't hear any more. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg is, is a kind of uh, pallid ghost freak. Simon Cowell. Simon Cowell. Well, uh, I just assumed he was a total asshole to everybody. And I, my sister works in publishing and he published a book and he came and talked to all the publishers, gave, gave them a little pep talk about his book and everything about it. And I said, God, I bet he was awful, wasn't he? My sister said, of course he wasn't awful. He was really great and everyone loved him. Don't you realise these people have got a lot of charm when they want to be? He doesn't walk around being an arsehole. He never would have made it if he'd walked around being a total arsehole. And I, I suddenly thought, very good point. That is, I'm sure that's true. So who is not going to come to Funny Ha Ha and see Wilfred Wood's portraits of people with that going on? More storytelling to be had and you'll be at the opening. Thank you for your time. Pleasure. Thanks so much. I'm here with Sarah Maple, the award-winning artist who's known for her bold, brave, mischievous and occasionally controversial artworks that challenge notions of identity, religion and status quo. Hello, Sarah. Hi. How did you end up being part of Funny Ha Ha? Well, I heard that Roxana was curating the show. I thought she'd better ask me to be in that. <laughs> and she did, bless her. Um, and so, yeah, she said, you know, what have I got available? And I think, you know, pretty much everything I do is like a humorous, you know, undertone, even if it's a bit dark or something like that. Um, so, yeah, there was lots of stuff to choose from, really. And you have worked with Roxana before because I've seen your work in other shows she's curated. Yes, yes, because she's part of a collective called Infems. So we did a show last year, a group show, and I had some work in that as well. It was kind of, again, a bit of a darker undertone, but satirical and tongue-in-cheek, and again, using humour to kind of make a more political point, I think, which is important to me. Yeah, we saw the show. A private view went out there, and it was phenomenal, and it, you just seem to work so much and so differently all the time. Can you tell us about the pieces here that we're looking at? Well, I've got four pieces here that are under the same title, which is The Most Heightened State of Being Female. And that was taken from a John Berger quote. So the full quote is, the most heightened state of being female is people watching you. And it's all about how women feel like they're being watched all the time, watched by men and watched by other women and themselves. So that's where the idea came from, really. I've had that quote in my head for years. Um, and so these are um, sort of vintage nudes from like the 60s and 70s and they've got eyes collaged over the top of the bodies. And then another piece is called Human Trapped and it's um, another vintage Hollywood starlet and it has text on it that says human trapped in a woman's body. You care to elaborate? <laughs> uh, well, a lot of my work is about gender identity, um, feminism, and, you know, I'm always interested in, you know, this sort of gender determinism of, like, women are like this and men are like that and everything's very binary. And all. Things are changing a lot now. Um, but, yeah, I'm always fighting against this idea of what a man should be and what a woman should be, basically. And 2021 was an important year for you, and these were made in 2021. Yes. Do you ever find that what you're talking about has to do with, you, with what you're living through? Definitely. I think that um, I'm always responding and reacting in things as they're happening, I guess. Um, and a lot of the stuff with feminism, it's, I think the conversation's always changing. There's different things that we're looking at all the time, but the themes are always timeless. 
when I first started, um, feminism was such a dirty word. No one wanted to talk about it. It was like at art school, everyone was just like, we don't need feminism. You don't know what you're talking about whenever I showed my work. And that has changed so much. Like I made this word, the opposite to a feminist is an asshole. And when I first made that, it was like, no one was talking about it. And there was so much reaction against it. And actually still is a lot of reaction against it now. But I think the conversation is so much more open than it was 10 years ago. Because I know in the beginning, you could, there could be big outcry towards your work. Does that still come your way? Well, I think my early work, I didn't really think about other people's opinions that much. Um, when I came out of art school, um, I just kind of did what I wanted to do and say what I wanted to say. And of course, since then, like social media wasn't really a thing and it was about 2008. There was no Instagram and stuff like that. So I think now it is different because you're always thinking what the reaction is going to be. And you're trying to second guess that as well, which can be kind of good creatively, but also creatively stifling as well. And you have to kind of explain yourself a lot more. So <laughs> it can be tricky. Sarah, I'm so glad to catch up with you again. I hope to see you soon and thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Hello. seen so few but it feels very pertinent so here we are you know lucky us she, she thought that was a great idea so. sounds like the party's starting upstairs yeah. thank you Roxanne I feel like I should go and stand with my own pictures the two sushis in the mouth at once I think you know you know the the model is coming she's on her way and she she actually sat with two rolls of film in her mouth when we made that which in itself would have been interesting. I mean, that could have given birth to an entirely different image. With that said, thank you, Ross. <laughs> Talking to Jemima Brown really opened up her work for me. And I'm in front of one of her cupcake faces, which was work she did during the pandemic when she felt like she was baking all day. Here's the interview with Jemima. Humor is such a complicated issue, and it's not always everyone's first choice. I think someone said, uh, it's not funny, it's brave. And I get what they mean by that. I think it can be quite a good way to explore something that's quite dark. I like, I like humor for that. Yeah, and, uh, and certainly there's something going on with your work and has been for a long time regarding faces and portraiture and um, the relevance of portraiture in 2022. And you've, you've come up with something that's uh, startling, really. And I'm going to start with the pieces that are in Funny Ha Ha, and I want you to say a word or two or a sentence or two about each of them, if that's okay. Headless Woman, a sculpture. So when I made her... I'd been making like life-size figures for a long time and then some things changed and I started making smaller figures. And what that change of scale did for me was it suddenly freed up my mind to say, 
I can make the representation of the body be much more abstract. And so I think that was what that first came out of, was that it was just, she's kind of this girl, and yet she's also this great big kind of flaccid phallus kind of fallen over. But yeah, the way that she leans against the wall, I kind of think of her as somebody who's had... A hell of a night out and just wants to go home. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. That is good. She looks like that. What about what's going on in Cupcake Phase 1? Yeah, with the cupcakes, <laughs> um, I made those paintings um, kind of early in when COVID happened and we were all locked up in our houses, sort of trying to figure out what to do and I felt like the only thing I was good for was cooking I didn't feel like I could do anything else and and it felt so like I'd been sort of pushed back into some kind of idea of a of a 1950s housewife just cooking cooking there wasn't any other it's like I didn't have any other purpose and so I I kind of was I was kind of angry about it in a way, I think. And I um and I sort of I yeah, it was like the the cakes that I was making and the pies and the and the meals got and the the um the machines that I was making them with, um kind of whizzing up pesto, you know, pureeing pesto and and yeah, but then but predominantly cakes, just making making cakes. Um and so I just kind of morphed the head into the into the cake until until we got to muffin head one and two yeah you migrated into another field yeah so they migrated into but it was like yeah the kind of the idea of the the face just becoming the cake and cake face um yeah so (laughs) they um yeah, I think they, they were coming from a place that was about something, like I was saying, like a little bit dark, but then mm. they're also, they, yeah, they are kind of funny. How, how well. is your relationship with traditional role playing within a domestic arrangement? Um, <laughs> I think I look at it quite a lot in the work. Um, it definitely, you know, it's something that I, my studio is in my home, and I think having um, having a home studio, there's this sort of porous, sort of membrane between home and work and it feeds into the work in kind of unexpected ways in a way that I enjoy. Um, I can see that and it's it's uh, it's like being part of your environment in a sense. Yeah yeah definitely. A second artist I spoke to ahead of the show was Stella Vine and I'm standing in front of uh, one of her portraits of Princess Diana. She said she did many because Princess Diana was on her mind for a a long time, just being a woman who was perceived one way, but actually there was so much more going on beneath the surface. And this piece is titled, Being a Princess Isn't All It's Cracked Up To Be. I'm so happy to have Stella Vine on the line from Ibiza. Stella, hi. Hello. Humor is always a complicated issue, and I think uh, it's never just funny. There's always something else in it. And your work has text with portraits that are quite idealized or um, iconic. People we recognize, people we don't recognize, but they represent something about uh, being a woman in this particular show, Funny Ha Ha. I want to know if it's okay with you. Can we go through each of the portraits and you tell me a little bit about each of them? 
Yeah. We have Angeline. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, Evangeline. Yes. Evangeline. Um, that was a, a series, um, I don't know if it's finished or not, um, of a character that's just created out, out of thin air, um, not based on anything, just like the name. I'm not even sure that's how you pronounce it, but that's how I pronounce it, Evangeline. And um, I think it ended up being, um, she's like an anti-hero, if that's the right words. Um, anti-heroine, like, uh, and I, I just sort of started um, seeing how far I could push. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. Well, like, the um, words on it are, oh no, must be the season of the, and I'm thinking you're quoting the Donovan song, the season of the witch. Yes, a Donovan song. I think I first came across that song. Uh, Courtney Love did a cover, My Body the Hand Grenade, an album of covers. And it was, it was a great album a long time ago. I think that's the right title. And then I, I got to know the original, uh, Must Be the Season of the Witch, and uh, Evangeline is a kind of anti-heroine, and uh, at this point I had her as being burnt at the stake. Um, and um, she's got her hands tied behind her back, and I don't think I painted the stake because I, it just didn't work. I think I wanted the text and the colours and the flames. But to me, she's, she's being burnt at the stake, and she's just laughing because... Um, and the text is, must be the season of the witch, although I, I'm not sure I've got the full words. But um, I've That's used the, that song lyric ser several times in other paintings, must be the season of, season of the witch. There's a Kate Moss one with that in, from a long time ago. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I, it's a fantastic song. Uh, it's so atmospheric. I, you, you probably know it. Um, yeah, I was trying to push the boat out with how far I can take Evangeline. There's there's some there's a really kind of grotesque but a but a beautiful painting called Enema Evangeline, <laughs> and um, which is a sort of it looks like she's wearing a splattered lace dress or something. But it's a it's a crazy crazy painting. And um, there's one called Evangeline the War Years, and that's got a very provocative, very I'm sure a very upsetting title for a lot of people, but. Uh, I didn't censor myself, and it, it, she's saying on that one, um, I fucked the whole of Bletchley Park. So you can see that it, it, I, I was really trying to see how far I could take things, um, that, that the wildness of the imagination. And then I, I kind of had to stop because it just it was just getting too dark and crazy, and um, I, I sort of couldn't handle it anymore. I sort of sort of started to really doubt myself, you know, like, what on earth, on earth are you doing? No, very but, brave, um, very courageous to go down that route. Oh, thank you. So it's an interesting area, but um, for someone who's very insecure and, uh, you know, um, a very shy person to sort of make such sort of provocative work sometimes. I mean, it's a scary place to be, you know. <laughs> and moving on to uh, being a princess isn't all it's cracked up to be. That's actually, I think it's a real quote by her um, on Google. I mean, I Googled it and, and I, that was, was, I did a series of fast paintings of Princess Diana. But I don't know if it was this year. I think it was this year. Um, and um, yeah, I was just sort of, I was interested in the connection of 
painting her like uh, just the feeling of painting her off. I mean, I have painted her several times over the last 20 odd years, but um, I'm just sort of quite interested in the pull, um, the emotions and the, because there's, there's so many images, you know, you can pick the ones that you feel drawn to. Um, and there's a, yeah, there's this, there's a whole series that was made at the same time of, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 paintings. And I'm, I'm sensing you have an empathy for her too. Yeah, I think I'm not really into the royal family at all. I, I don't think I ever have been. We've always been very, very wary of that whole idea. And uh, but with her, you know, I, she, I, I sort of always saw it as someone who she was in a she, she was in a certain situation, a position, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and uh, she kind of made the best of what she could do in order to help others. Thanks for listening to A Private View from Maddox Gallery. Funny Ha Ha, curated by Roxana Hall, is running through until the new year. Make sure you come down and see it at Maddox Gallery in Mayfair. You've been listening to Maeve Doyle's Private View. This podcast is produced by Will Fitzpatrick at Soho Radio. The music is by Korshid Homi. Thank you for listening.